0: Hello and welcome to the Minta Dialogue, episode number 259. Today is Sunday the 3rd of December 2017 and this interview is with my old friend Magoo Giles. Magoo is the founder, director and chief storyteller, my words, not his, at the Knightsbridge School. In this conversation with the entertaining Magoo, we discuss how he came to found the school, how one creates and instills a legitimate and sustainable culture, and how to manage the challenges that any entrepreneur faces when hiring individuals, making the values come alive, or even passing on the reins. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, but branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue. So, today, someone who has probably the most extraordinary name and certainly has a, an exceptional career. Magoo and I have known each other for, gosh, just a few decades. We went to school together. And and you have had an exceptional career. So after Eton, you uh, I I see you do the Coldstream Guards. You start working at a school, and then you found and run this school and where we're sitting. And you can hear, presumably in the background, the, the dulcet towns of lots of little kids running around, called the Knightsbridge School. So I, there are a number of topics I want to talk about, but um, tell us, Magoo, in your own words, how, did you, how on earth do you get that name? Because, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but didn't really cover that one off, such a name for a headmaster of a school. And, and
1: secondly, describe us how you run your job uh, at the Knightsbridge School. Okay, so very naturally, when I was born... Uh, my father, who was a soldier, a career soldier, was not there. My mother was um, obviously there, and um, I was born. And my father rang up and said, "You know what's happened?" And my mother said, "You know we've we've got a you've got a son and heir." And he went, "Yes, um, is he like me? Is he tall, dark, good looking, handsome?" And Mum went, "No, he's bald, blind, fat, incredibly ugly." In fact, Mister Magoo has arrived were her words, and it stuck with me all my life. So. That's how I got the name, and it has been a fantastic name to have. Obviously, it's also been a memorable name to have, which is uh, for some naughty moments. um, Everyone remembers that Magoo was there. (laughs) Um, But, um, no, I've been very, very fortunate. I've been uh, thrilled. I was so lucky to have uh, characters of parents, and that really set me up for uh, a hugely colourful life. Certainly, amongst the wonderful memories I have of you, Magoo, one of them is the fact that you delivered
0: the... Best wedding speech that I ever attended, which was at Michael Hernando's speech, and and so you have a, a presence, you have a, a knack with words, and and just as you explained your birth, you obviously have a knack of storytelling. So um, amongst other things, Magoo, you also have been writing and creating children's books. Uh, so tell us about how you manage all of this, because it's really a lot of things. You're, you're running a school. And and
1: uh, with, some, with such responsibilities. And then also you've got these beautiful books you're producing. Yeah, it's a good question. It, how does one manage it? I think it's just, first of all, being extremely passionate about the thing you love, which are children. I love children. I was lucky I was in the army, as you, you mentioned before, uh, serving in Bosnia at the time. And just towards the end of my career, when I realized in Bosnia when I had to do parties and look after people for all the children uh, of these different sort of groups um, I realized I had such a great way with the kids Mm. you know I kept things very simple I was I'm obviously extremely patient but I had a I I just got this this extraordinary realization that that it was children that was my passion and and then obviously I left the army luckily um, I, I didn't have too many ties so I was fortunate in that respect. You know, I wasn't married. I didn't have a massive mortgage. I didn't have all those things that tie a lot of people down. And to, to, so they can't change. But I did. I changed. And I was the best thing I ever did. And I was able to um, to to go and start work as an assistant in a, a state school to start with at St. Gabriel's in Pimlico. And then a, another a private school in um, called Garden House, which I was very fortunate to go in there because walked off the street. And lo and behold, eight years later. I was um, the head of the school. Oh my gosh! So uh, I would
0: like to, because I I consider you some of something of an entrepreneur. Really, Uh, it's not your average thought to think of a person running a school, founding a school as an entrepreneur. But I really that's what it is, and I would love for you to tell us that moment, that little spark. Hmm, what if I
1: started my own school? Take wind us back to that moment. Well, wow! Um, Being, uh, do you know what? It's funny, isn't it? It's it's all it's like Easter. You know, it comes once a year and then it's the, it's the beginning. And for me, it was the birth of my son, Otis, He was born. And I was looking at the career path, if you like, for, for right, I've got to look after this baby for the next how many years in you know, the rest of my life. And how was I going to do that? And um, I was running the school for somebody else. And I, I think it was just a, I'd spoken to a great friend of mine who's now the chairman of this school um he a remarkable man called William Russell who is another uh, extraordinary achiever and um I I I'd always said to him look you know I will ring you when I when I'm ready and I was ready for for a school and it was just that moment of Otis being born thinking right I've got to, I'm going to now do it my way stag on and uh drive my passion when when
0: which is really what any other entrepreneur will say the same sort of thoughts. So you, you, you have this idea, I want to start my school, it's going to be good for my kid, and obviously I have a viewpoint on what education is and my personality and all that. How, do you, how did you go about creating the Nitro School? I mean, what, how much of what it is today did you already have in your brain, and it was already sort of so self-evident and therefore, you create the charter, the values, the vision, all that right away, or did you do a lot of it working in progress as you developed over the years because it's been now a lot of years since you've been here
1: yeah, i mean you you started a school, you've got a blank piece of paper, haven't you you you're thinking right, what is it that i have I'm going to put on that piece of paper and and what what for me, I had a life of effectively a life of duty I'd, I'd come from a family of uh, soldiers. Um, you know, and Dad, Dad had been the the parachute regiment for fifty years, so I'd, I'd learned about the people aspect, of it and he'd always gone on about people, lose, and a roof over your head—three most important things in life. So that was the first thing. I think, secondly, you know, then to have been lucky enough to have been to have the most extraordinary education. I started off in a little school in um, in, in Scotland, which was. Um, Dalry Air a primary. And I was you know, the only English boy in a Scottish school, which was tremendously tough. Because, you know, I'd walk in the gates and there'd be a, there he is! <laughs> and I'd be chased onto the coal. And, and of course, um, then I'd be... Um, uh, the janitor would come in and we'd, after the bell had gone and we were all in school and the... The, you know he'd come in and go right who's been playing on the call and of course I was covered in blacks sort of you know charcoal and of course I would be given the belt for playing on the call the sort of injustice of life uh, as Bill Gates put it as his number one but ultimately you know life is unfair and I learned that I think then I went to rip from there my parents went to America to work in America and I was suddenly you know going over there for holidays and my eyes were opened by the positivity the the enormity of everything the channels of television you know you had three in this country and 49 in America and I went there and you know the chocolate bars and the you name it the the fun fairs and the all sorts of things six flags in Georgia and whatever but I had to come back to school as a boarder and of course I went to a school in Oxford a very very good school in Oxford very lucky but I was homesick and I missed my amazing family but it again another bit of education there and as dad always said you know all these things character building and then, of course, I went to Eton, as as you've alluded to. And what an opportunity to go to a school or, you know, what a school that was. And I don't think I took all my opportunities from that school, but I, I thoroughly made some great friends. And, you know, and, and again, that's where it cemented the, the alumni, the skills and, and the health aspect and played a lot of sport. Um, and as a result, you know, learned all the really important things about that, that te- sport teaches you. You know, really about winning, losing, you know, about getting injured, fighting back, you know, the boxing match, being knocked down and getting up again. To me, amazing things to have left a school like Eton. And then, of course, then went into the the PS de la resistance, the army. Uh, And the army for me was the hardest thing I ever did was the eight week pre-army course called brigade squad. Where you're treated like a piece of dirt by these amazing men sergeants and and you you learn you learn what it's like to be you know not worth anything and uh, that was that was got me ready for sandhurst
0: all right well so you' you you've basically just drawn out for us the, the the principles that under underline who you are, and you bring this to the Knightsbridge school so you but you have this blank piece of paper and, and you, it's a lot of things to put down on a piece mm-hmm. of paper because in the end of the day as you pointed out just before it's also about being simple when it comes to the children then you have the audience which is the parents who you're trying to attract then you have the audience of the financiers the people who are putting money to back this whole program you also have to deal with the rules and regulations because there are a ton of them that are are the white the small lines on that white piece of paper putting that together how much of the nightbridge school did you create on day one and how much of it has sort of been a work in progress over the years
1: I think the key thing was to, when you, you, you say you're going to do it, you do it. You know, and that's what I said I was going to do. And I, you know, William Russell, who I'd rung, you know, a great guy. Uh, we, I had my history. I had my, um, my experience, if you like, in the area. So, it's, you know, it wasn't, a, it was a blank piece of paper, but it had somebody who's run a school actually coming in. And therefore, the parents around knew of me. So that was useful. I think the, I I wrote a thing called the KS Code. The reason the school is called Knightsbridge School was after the great motto from the military, KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Basically KS means keep it simple or keep studying or keep sporting or keep striving, keep striding, keep singing. Keep You can think of hundreds of them, but they all keep safe and sound, keep soldiering on. So many wonderful KSs. And of course, the, the, the thing that went so well with it was a thing called the KS Code, which I, which I wrote. It, it was from all sorts of different aspects of my life, but it was basically the 12 commandments without religion because I knew I had a non-denominational school. It was it was going to be full of um, Jews or Muslims or Christians or atheists or you name it. And they're all humans. So it was a human code. And that enabled me to basically set the rules for not only the children, but the teachers and, of course, the parents as well. What was the element that
0: was persuasive with regard to the financiers because at the end of the day they're putting money behind it so you always you do have just like an entrepreneur uh performance issue and so hey you know i got these these codes uh and how are you going to pierce through the the noise of the market to win out and 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 recover other students or you know and children who are already perhaps in another school so parents have to make the switch which is complicated when you're starting off it's got to be awfully difficult to get the credentials because yes you have history but you're a new school so what's the reputation when my kid graduates from your school to go to another school how can I how can you guarantee success
1: Well that's a great question and I think for me you know Steve Martin once said didn't he he said um, be so good that you cannot be ignored I think that the important thing at my last school I was I was considered I believe one of the heartbeats of the school, the guy who does the seven-day week, the guy who does the Saturday football, the Sunday this, the Sunday that, the guy who works in the holidays, runs the camps for the kids, the guy who does the birthday parties, the guy who you know all these things I'd done, I'd run summer camps for summer, I had the most amazing energy, and and people loved it, and and you know, and all the people that that I come into contact with, great believer, you try and leave them going away, going wanting more, so you know, I think I think. That was the joy. Mm-hmm. Most people were telling people about me and about what I was doing. And it's, there's something, something magic about setting something new up as well. Because you you're not the school that goes, oh, we haven't done it like that for 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, therefore, we've never done it before. We can't change. Or we've done it like that for mm-hmm. 50 years. You're actually saying, you know, hey, we, were, we are embracing today, not yesterday. And actually, we're going forward. And we want to, you, we're going to be very successful. So I get that. And you still have your remarkable energy, Magoo, I can assure you. <laughs>
0: Right, um, well, you're hiring people now to support you. You've got the Magoo Act, you know, the Magoo Energy, the Magoo Vision. But you've got to craft people underneath you who believe in it and, and make it come alive. Because while you're sitting in your office being interviewed by me, it's all happening out there. How, how did you go about what sort of tips or thoughts you have about how you selected the people who are important in your organization and obviously down to make
1: this uh, story come alive? Okay, my four big words... I trust, respect, responsibility and duty and big hearts. You've have got to have a bit of luck with that as well. But if you I trust people, I'm a great truster of people in today's world, very dangerous. But actually, I look for the people who I believe have the emotional intelligence and brilliant hearts and also have great energy like me and are willing to do the hard yards. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for people who um, I respect people for do, who can do anything, something I can't do. That's Everybody. Because these little kids I meet who are four, they speak three languages. They, they can do things that I can't do. So I'm really respectful. You know, responsibility-wise, you know, really important. You know, they have, people have to take responsibility. A lot of people in the world don't anymore. Mm. They don't want it. Mm. They want to be paid big salaries for no responsibility. They've got to take responsibility because with responsibility comes actually real enjoyment. Because you know you've done a great job, and you've actually, you you know, you are responsible. And duty, of course, is the one that you don't hear much about anymore. Dutiful, be dutiful. It's really important that duty and responsibility get sort of hand in hand. But actually, be you have to be dutiful in school.
2: Hmm.
0: I, I hear you on a question. Responsibility is a big topic for me, and duty is a beautiful one because obviously I have also my my little story with my grandfather in the in the war and 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 recognizing the idea of duty and the and the ultimate sacrifice that is so rare in today's world, which brings up the whole notion of parents, Magoo, because parents are a whole nother beast uh, as I am one. And I know that there's parental pressures. You know, you gave my Johnny a poor grade. How can you talk so nastily? I was disciplining him. Uh, and how do you manage the parental pressures? Is this something that you negotiate contractually almost upfront or, because I mean, you're, you're getting in the kid, but you're also getting in the parents inevitably, and they have to buy into your system. How do you manage that uh, little
1: tango? I interview everybody. I interview the children, the parents, did two today, and, of course, the staff. And, you know, there's only one person to blame at the end of the day, Uh, the guy with the responsibility and the duties we've talked about. Um, I also make sure that, yes, when when when, you know, the people coming in, they're buying into the school, they understand what they're buying into. They've got to understand that they've got to have been around the school. They've got to come and have that conversation with me to actually sort of look me in the eye and I look them in the eye to actually say, look, this is what you're coming into. Um, is it really what you want? Go and see other schools. Make sure this is the right thing. And when you're here, follow that code, which we've talked about, in and out of school. Make sure that you get involved as much as you can. Some people can't. They're too busy. That's fine. but but So that they actually take responsibility, mm-hmm. and they actually trust us. We trust them. If they can't trust us, I tell them not to come here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very simple.
0: And I also said, so you, you give out, and you can hear the rustling in the background, you give out a package of cr- Crest Seed. Um, to prospective students. How does that go down? I mean, that, that's just so remarkably different.
1: Well, it's, again, it's great. What are we doing? We, our aim is to make the children independent of us because one day we will not be there. It, for some children, that happens at 10, like my own son. You know he said I'm ready to go dad and he went off to boarding school and he's happy as Larry you know but, but for some it takes a bit longer that's fine it's independence building we're trying to give them tools to be able to go out and be the best they can be and the seeds I think are, is, a, is a really clever way of making the three year old who we give them to with their parents in the same room go off and make something themselves and it gives them that sort of startling start of, of watching something grow like they are It's
0: mm, beautiful. Alright so Magoo you are the at least the founder, the director, and I would say, just from my perspective, you know, the embodiment of the school. And yet, as we know, all things will come to an end, mm-hmm. and and the monasteries school is going to live on without Magoo. How does one who incarnates it, founded it, runs it, gives your hundred percent energy, try in best way to secure the succession? Because you know, this is kind of things that anyone who's running a business who's founded a business, has to face. And oftentimes the soul goes with the founder. How, how do you think you're going to be able to seed that crest seed into the school?
1: Well, it's already done. I mean, the chaos code of conduct is there. It's on the walls, it's in on the fridges at home, the, the people buying into that. I think it's finding the, the role models, the, the teaching body, the parents and the children who are willing to walk that talk of the code. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's looking out for those people who really do it, because most people think they do it or say they do it, and they don't do it. And so in your the way the culture of
0: chaos is here, can you call out? I mean, do, can let's put it another way. Can people call out people for not following the code? Or does it have to be topped out? How, how does that get managed? Because at the end of the day, the stuff is happening behind closed doors where you can't see everything. And, and is, how does one sort of, in, not ingratiate, but make sure that at all levels the behaviors are being followed and, and that people are being called to responsibility? with regard to upholding these values all the time
1: well in any school we're we're, you know all schools are schools but you know we have the i say the code which we go through at the beginning of every year we make sure that there is a a, you know there's a staff handbook and and that outlines all our rules and regulations and we're checked regularly as all schools are um to ensure but I, i think the thing is that it's it's the picking of the people the people who come in to work in this school they have to show me that they've got more than just the ticks in the boxes they've got the ticks out of the boxes they're willing Mm. to to go do the hard yards for the children the focus the reason we're here is for the children it's yes it's for everyone's careers and everything else but actually their careers will go far if they can show me that they are with when they're with the children they are absolutely on it and and yeah the monitoring aspects of any school are very important and we have managers at every level to to to, to monitor that who who are also great they've some of them have come up the school, the, the head of the senior school, for example. Um, he's been here for 10 years, so he's worked his way up and he's become the head of the school. And he's a lovely man. The children love him because he's not that scary history teacher that you wouldn't. He's the chap who actually adds a bit of humour to his, his reports. They're wonderful to read and actually he makes his his subject so exciting that you know, he inspires children to want more. Mm. I certainly remember some of my greatest teachers. Just to finish
0: Magoo, then, um, so you've written these eight books already. These kids' books, the crown jewels, uh, that, and we have the "Why Are All the Chickens Barking?" by Magoo Giles. And you, you you draw your own drawings. You create the stories. You produce them. Wonderful stuff. How can people get uh, get get a, t- a whiff of the, these books? How is the best way to get in touch with them?
1: Well, if you go on Lulu dot com you know, in the US, I'm afraid they're all sort of very much hand done, and they but they. I I just think they all have a little message in them there's a dedication for example the where are all the chickens barking is is to really say wow people who speak languages really are fantastic because you can communicate with more people mm-hmm. and imagine a situation where you've got a farmyard with all the animals making the wrong noises how weird is that yeah, i mean it also speaks to the preconceptions one has about uh, other people and you, what are you what are your other
0: plans in magoo i know you've got a couple other books in the works tell us about that and, and what do you what do you think is exciting for you
1: what's uh keeping magoo going well I'm just very excited I mean you know when you as you've alluded to you know to have built something very special where you get 400 children every day running into school because they love it and and walking slowly out um with having made lots of friends and having had a great day and 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 also parents who are interested in what they've been doing I mean that's that's it's incredible to to create a community so what I want to do I want to see the rest of you know as as many people as possible doing this and creating the amazing communities that we used to have in, in and around the country I want to make sure that the alumni builds contacts with people so that of course are all the way around the world because this is a very very interesting world we live in where people are all over the place they're not just staying in one particular place Um, and and also i want you know the books i'm trying to write now are books that you know that that teach everybody about young people because young people are the you know they are the ones who are going to have the world tomorrow, and they're going to have to they're going to have to pick up the pieces for all the all the, the the problems that we have today. So I'm trying to educate people for tomorrow, really. And I also know that, as you said, the word duty is such an important word. You got a book about your parents coming out too. Yeah, well, mum and dad, you know, the best role models. I was so lucky, and they were extraordinary. They they were able to do that duty and responsibility thing for all four kids, um, get us through, and. Keep laughing. I mean, you know, uh, that was the great thing from, from my mother. My mother always said the best feelings in the world are giving. I added sharing for the code. But it really, you know, when you, if you're lucky enough to have a role model in your life who you can who can say well done when you deserve it and kick you up the backside when you deserve it. Wow, you know, that's, that's the best role model you need. And when will that book be available? Well, that hopefully will be coming out on Friday. Well, so yeah. I'm really excited. So yippee, come on. As my father used to say, Magoo, when you walk into a room, he says, have a good look round and try to spot the idiot. He said, if you don't see him, don't say very much. <laughs> Beautiful. So, uh, Magoo, what's, uh, what, how do you would you like anyone to
0: uh, get in touch with you or follow what you're up to? Is there any, uh, like, a site you can send us to, or,
1: or at least I'll put in the show notes, of course, the links to the school? Okay, well, obviously, um, the school is Knights School in London. .uk, um, .co.uk. .co, .co UK. And, and also, if you want to go and look at the books, you can go online, dot Live in Magoo's world. Beautiful. Magoo,
0: thanks for coming to the show. I love what your energy and I love what you're doing. And I think that for me, the reason why I really wanted to have you on the show is I think that education is an incredibly important thing. Uh, It's important in business. It's important for the individuals. And I think that one of the challenges educational facilities have is actually making them distinguished they all seem to have much of a likeness with the same kind of words on them, but you obviously make them come alive. And also, I think that you are on to two things which are important for me, duty and community. And I think we do need a lot more of that in our society. Magoo, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minto Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and my other blog posts on branding and digital on mindset.com. That's mindset with a Y, of course. Where you can also sign up for my bi weekly newsletter at mindset.com forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, go ahead and click the handy Facebook like button or share it out via your favorite medium. In the meantime, come catch me on Twitter at MDial or listen up for the next show. Now enjoy Josh Sachs's Finger Paint.
2: Oh, fill me with all your colors and different ways. you mention in your s